Welcome to Female Inner Power, the podcast for women who don't want to choose between work success and life happiness. I'm your host, Nomi Melkyonatan, leadership coach and courage catalyst. Each week, I will share a refreshingly honest conversation about how to trust your intuition, lead from female power in male-dominated spaces, and inspire you to be a more confident force for good in the world. Are you ready? Welcome, welcome to another episode of Female Inner Power. Today's episode is a must listen because we're talking about your relationship with food, your relationship with your body, your relationship with your well-being. And it is with Dahlia Weinreb, who's a registered dietitian. She's been a clinical, um, had been a clinical practitioner for 16 years, and she's a mother of three children. She's deeply passionate about women's health through the life cycle. What I love about Dahlia is that she's not about diets. She's not about, well, there's something you can't do. She is about, she talks that sense really about how we can help ourselves, about we're not supposed to be okay feeling rubbish. We're not supposed to constantly feel tired. It's not supposed to be just yeah well this is just how it is and she gives us some very practical tips to start getting informed and I have to say after this conversation there are things now on my list that I'm gonna pay attention to we talk hormonal health we talk tiredness we talk the most common things that women are deficient in we talk about foods and eating and looking after yourself there is so much richness a lot of practical pieces of information I think you will find this incredibly valuable and helpful I could have talked to Dahlia for hours and hours and hours and getting information out of her because she is so incredibly helpful in the way that she shares that there is no shaming wherever you're at is perfect. Just start and look after yourself because you're important. So before we dive in, a quick request. This podcast spreads best by you sharing about it. I love it when women tell me that they've shared it with other friends so whether you share it publicly tag me if you do on any of the social media or if you're on social media and you see one of my posts do you like it but also message a friend who needs to hear this message a colleague who needs to hear this today and if you want to leave a review that also really helps the podcast gain credibility and for people to trust it when they find it so there is a link in the show notes where you can find Um, An easy way, if you don't know how to leave reviews, how to leave a review. Okay, so that was my request. I want to dive in. Let's take a breath. And dive in to this incredibly important conversation. Whatever life stage you're in, you'll find something that is gold dust for you. Let's talk to Dahlia. Welcome, welcome to the Female Inner Power podcast. Dahlia, I am thrilled to be having this conversation. I love the way you talk about 
food and everything to do with women and I'm just so excited for this conversation so thank you for being here thank you so much for having me before we dive into all the many topics that there are to dive into I think it'll be great if you just set the scene of where are you in the world what does your personal and work life look like at the moment tell us a little bit about about that and then we will jump in so I have been a registered dietitian for 16 years and I'm living my dream in many ways because I was always determined to have my own private practice and I've built that um, and I'm in that now full time. I did spend a number of years working in the National Health Service because I'm here in the UK in Cambridge, um, but I branched gradually into having my dream fulfilled, which was my private practice. Um, so I work very hard. I probably work five, six, six days a week usually. Um, but luckily, I really love my job. So it doesn't feel like work most of the time. Um, I have three children. Um, I'm divorced. Uh, so there's a lot of parenting going on, uh, as well as running these very busy clinics. Um, I think, yeah, that gives the picture. I, I really do hope to continue in private practice for my whole life. Retirement is never never on the cards uh even though of course I'm only I'm nearly 44 I'll be 44 next month so um yeah still many years to go and the good thing about the profession that I work in is I think you just get better with age uh so that's also really fun to think about I totally hear you with I mean I, I have been coaching for as long as you've been a dietitian and that piece of I wouldn't want to retire. Why would I want to stop the thing I love? Like, even if I didn't Never. ever need to see any money, I'm like, don't take the coaching away from me. It's like, no, I know. My, kid, my children always ask me, mommy, if you were like a billionaire, would you uh, stop working? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I just wouldn't take payment for it. Um, I need to take payment because I need to make a salary, but that's not why I'm in the profession at all yeah and okay so I just I want to go to some other things because this, this one is not about money but actually you know what I've been considering that and there's something powerful in when people pay for things so I don't for know sure. that I've, you know the investment of people having them. put skin in the game so even if I didn't yes. need the money you could you could then donate it back into something that's something you learn with the years actually because when you start out and you're so excited you know, you do things for free or for lower fees and you realize that people actually take their work more seriously when they pay you. Um, and then it's always really tricky with friends if they want some advice, you know, what do you do? Um, it's it's really important that people pay actually. And I'm pleased you brought that up because it can be tricky when you work in healthcare, especially because you have people who are extremely vulnerable and there are lots of quacks out there who are taking huge amounts of money from people who are vulnerable. You know, where do you strike the balance? You know, you are good at what you do. You know, you are in your safe hands for this patient. Um, but where do you, where do you draw the line on what is a good fee for the patient to pay and for you as well in terms of providing for your family in itself? It's a, it's a, they don't really teach us that when we study <laughs> at all and they need to. Well, I think it's, I mean, for me, it's something I've been fascinated about and also have a whole online course on overgiving, right? I think that balance of exchange and and yes. also if anyone listening that's in a job, because I know we have lots of listeners that have a more traditional job, there is something we know in ourselves of the balance of exchange is off. If what I'm receiving, and it's not just about the money, it's also about the opportunities and the freedom and the, sure. whatever, but money, us women need to talk more about money because we are oh. we are so underpaid. Um 
so that but we also to us we undervalue ourselves hugely totally, we undervalue ourselves massively so we're like oh well I love it particularly when we're like I love it so I don't mind pay what you want <laughs> like what what <laughs> you'd never hear, never you'd never hear a man say that, that. never <laughs> so so the balance of exchange is really 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 important so we need to check in with ourselves there's nothing that's too much um we, we kind of charge charge your money we've got to do what what, what feels good and true to, to us um but maybe this is a good time then to ask us female to ask us to ask you to ask you female inner power what does that mean to you you know I was thinking about it what does it mean to me it, it feels like a difficult question actually because what does it mean to me now aged almost 44 what did it mean to me you know 10 years ago 20 years ago and I the answer I really came up with was firstly the word that popped in my brain was intuition and what does that mean to me I think I think we have a natural inner voice women um we know when something's right or not right where we go wrong and I think where we need to work on harnessing that power is really listening to it and respecting it and trusting it and going with it um all the times in my life where things haven't gone very well which of course now I'm pleased I learned from them they were character building but at the time you know they brought pain or, or you know detours was when I I knew deep down inside I knew, but I didn't I didn't respect it. For example, I'm I'm definitely a highly sensitive person, and so of course highly sensitive people are always told they're too sensitive or they're being too sensitive or they're reacting too much. So I tried to shut that down for many many years when I was very young, you know, in my early twenties, because I that I mean that there was my power. That is my power. That that very gift is my power. And how many years I didn't give it the respect it needed. And then, then I can look back and say, well, that really didn't do well for me, not listening to that. So I think you could call it intuitive. I think, you know, all women have that skill and it's part of what makes us, you know, good mothers. And and, and we were talking about giving before, overgiving when we, you, you know, we, we don't balance it out. But yeah, I would say intuition and the power is actually respecting it as an actual force, as strong as rational brain, intellectual brain, and so on. It really is a huge part of the puzzle of being a woman. Absolutely. I mean, and I also do think, and there are some male listeners that you men, you do have <laughs> access to intuition too. Of when course. you tap into your feminine, you do have access to this, but you're so, so right. And anytime anyone says like, oh, you're to this, like that Ugh. as soon as it's two you I guess like eh, 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 alarm bells yes. yeah like you're too much you're too sensitive you're too too nice oh, yes. too kind to whatever to giving like any anytime someone says two just like have alarm bells go off and and take a few steps back and watch what is that person really trying to say and what is their you know what like it's their judgments it's their belief system that's showing up you it's so don't, well I don't I have so much hope, you know, I've got an 11 year old daughter and all my younger patients who are, you know, aged 14 through to 21, let's say. I have so much hope for that generation because I see already in my daughter far better boundaries than I ever had. Far better, you know, I, I feel like there's so much more conversation now about mental health and, and you know, maybe there's other destructive forces going on as well. But in terms of, you know, I would never at her age ever have had the ability when someone said to me, you're too sensitive to think 
that's their problem. They enjoy my sensitivity when it suits them, but they discard it when it doesn't suit them. I never would have made it about them. It took me years to be able to even think like that. I think I'm still working on it, you know, um, but you're absolutely right from a wiser place when somebody was saying now to me you're too this I'd be like let me just take my popcorn out and watch a little bit what's going on with you <laughs> love that. bring the popcorn here's the show bring it out I'm watching I am I'm watching <laughs> you brought your daughter into it do you want to tell us the story of um of her sort of uh um yes showing what she'd learned from you um, without oh, you knowing without her knowing you were watching yes okay so you know in building this private practice that I really really wanted it meant working all kinds of hours you know around the kids because my ex-husband was you know working all the time and so I had to miraculously find a way to build this practice you know while raising these kids and it was important for me to be there for them And so I would negotiate that I would run one Zoom client in an evening when they were small from 8.30 to 9.30 when he was supposed to be putting them in bed. He didn't often succeed. Anyway, I felt guilty. Oh, my gosh, maybe I should be doing bedtime stories with them at this time. You know, I try and squish them in earlier. Maybe I should be tucking them into bed. Like, I feel bad if I was doing that a few nights a week. One evening I came out and from a call. And so my first annoyance was like, oh, they're not in bed. You know, and then I saw my son and my daughter so he was about nine and she was about six and she had her little legs crossed and she had a little notebook in her hand and she had a pen and she was sitting in this kind of you know oh you know what she was <laughs> she used to like to wear my lanyard from my nhs job you know dahlia Weinreb, dietitian and my son was sitting across from her and she looked at him and she said so tell me which feeling made you eat all those biscuits and i just thought oh my goodness I'm inspiring her. She's not suffering that I'm in on that call. She is inspired. She is being modeled too. And she likes it. And she's, you know, she's playing that role. And it really, you get these moments in life where something just shifts in your way of looking at things. And that was a real shift for me because I always believed in, you know, theoretically, of course, a mother should work and pursue her goals, but I didn't feel it until that moment. I'd always believed theoretically in the importance of a woman working and a mother working, but I never felt it. I felt guilt. I felt like I was abandoning my children, you know, and it was in that moment that I really felt the shift. I really, from then on, I felt the importance of me going to work and working and demonstrating and modeling me going for my goals and helping other people and all the things that I do in my job. And that is good for my daughter to see, good for my sons to see. It's not just about my daughter. It's just she's a little woman. And we're speaking about, you know, female inner power here. But, you know, that that was really a major shift for me. That's a beautiful I see, moment. Yeah. I see inspiration from her in other things. I mean, recently she's 11, so her body's changing rapidly now. And um, she was at a barbecue recently. So sometimes we speak, let's say, about eating disorders because girls in her class are starting to talk about stupid calories and things, which drives me mad, obviously. Um, and she's had a barbecue and, a, you know, she was getting more rice and a woman said to her, you've had enough. And my daughter took a second and she looked at this woman. And she said, nah, and she took more. And I said to her, good, powerful, you know, don't let anybody tell you how much you should be eating or shouldn't be eating. And of course, I'm concerned that she's exposed to that kind of person who would think, you know, think to say such a thing. 
But I was so reassured that she had the strength of character and the boundaries to not be told that she should stop eating. Um, so, yeah, she, she inspires me all the time. Really, she does. Beautiful. Can you yeah. say a little bit about how food and how we feed ourselves links to our female inner power? Oh, God, it's absolutely massive. So you've got the biochemical level, which is, you know, here's this, you know, cheesy phrase, you are what you eat. Um, but you are in many ways what you eat. We have many, many bodily functions going on all the time. Our bodies are these miraculous machines that are working for us, constantly balancing intricate little things in our blood, in our organs, and so on. And so if we're not eating the right kinds of foods most of the time it doesn't matter you know here and there it's not a problem to eat things that aren't necessarily the most nutritious but if most of the time the way we're eating isn't overall balanced isn't nutrient dense isn't taking care of our bodily functions and the way our bodies were designed for example regulating blood glucose then we will suffer so we won't feel very well our energy levels won't be what they were or should be um we will struggle with our hormones as part of the menstrual cycle or perimenopause or even postmenopause. many things will happen our joints will ache you know our skin won't be what it was and the most important thing actually when you think about how we interact with the world is our, our we'll have brain fog we won't think clearly we won't have good clarity we won't that combined with low energy and so on we won't fulfill our potential and I have to say that women's health, especially, I, I can't speak for other countries. Most of my clients are in the UK, but it's really neglected. So we get blood tests done and doctors say, ah, you're fine. These women are not fine. They're deficient, for example, in iron or vitamin B12, vitamin D. So here we are, women menstruating every month, giving birth, breastfeeding, recovering, and nobody's actually checking that we're replenished after these monthly cycles or so on. And over the years, we've become more and more deficient. And, and you know, it, we really hit a wall. We have young women hitting walls as well, because the diet of young people isn't, isn't what it should be in many cases. And so just biochemically, we can't reach our full potential because our bodies can't provide us with the energy and the balance that we need in order to have that, that clear thought um and the clarity even around the intuition and so on we just can't achieve that place and that's where nutrition plays a really important role because when women are brought back to their what I call I find my job is really special because I get to return people as much as possible to their essence their physiological essence which then branches into their intellectual their emotional and so on I hear from patients all the time oh my God, like my anxiety has just vanished. It was biochemical. You know, it was my blood sugar levels. It was all the caffeine I was consuming to try and replace, you know, energy that I wasn't making because I didn't have enough iron in my blood and so on. And so it's really important we look at the biochemistry and just make sure that our bodies as physiological machines are getting everything that they need in order to function well. Um, because compared to men, we are drained a lot more just by our physiology, you know? And so we really, it doesn't mean the periods are wonderful, but we have to allow periods to happen wonderfully. And that's through making sure that your nutrition is supported. 
where do we even start? So, you know, and I, I'm thinking, so personally, for example, I'm on the coils. So I'm like, well, I'm hardly bleeding. Yeah. Does it still affect me? And and then there are all the women on menopause. And I know many women that have gone to the doctors and are like, okay, well, I had my hormones checked and I'm told I'm fine. Like, where, where do we even start? So many systems and private healthcare here in the UK, we're more in the in the public sector. But but what what do we do? Do we need to have a monthly blood test? How, how do we? No, how do yes, we it's really out? tricky. It's really tricky. So if you can afford to see a good dietitian, and I say good because not everybody is up there with knowing exactly, you know, what women need. Um, so a women's health specialist type of dietitian, um, then they can guide you on how to get blood tests done. If you cannot afford that, going to the GP and saying you feel fatigued. Fatigue is a good keyword to use. And then getting your thyroid checked, getting your iron levels checked, including your ferritin. It's extremely important they check ferritin. Your vitamin B12, your vitamin D, um, your folate. That's That's just as a starting ground. And then when the doctor tells you you're fine, ask for copies of your blood tests and you look yourself, where am I in the range? Because they'll often tell women they're fine when they're really scraping the bottom of the normal range. Normal range is a whole other discussion. It doesn't really mean that it's normal, but you want to be in the middle to the top of the normal range. You can see that with your own eyes. It's like your petrol tank on your car. If you see you're scraping the bottom third, let's say of a range, supplement. I do want to build a course for women. Supplementing does work for most women. I do want to build a course on this in my so-called spare time. I just don't have the time. It's really... (laughs) (laughs) Make time, make time. I know you're going to have to coach me on how to make time. Um, (laughs) I know, I know. But the um, where supplements do work for most people. um, But if you're having any gastrointestinal issues, which are so common with women for so many reasons, um, then you might not absorb. So what you want to do is if you're scraping the bottom supplement for three months then get another check done Mm. and if you're still not lifting that's when you probably need to start doing some gut work um but people should know also these days you can get certain nutrients and patches you can put on your skin so that bypasses the gastrointestinal system and so having more and more options these days um but it's yeah it's a tricky one because the healthcare just isn't set up um, there's a company called Medichex here in the UK. They do a really nice well woman um, full set of bloods as well. And they give a little bit of nice feedback too. So that's that's if if you can afford to pay privately for those blood tests, I think it's around £100. Um, that's a really good thing to do. I tend to do things like that once a year just to check I'm okay. Um, because, you know, stress really depletes us. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard to juggle all the balls that we're, we're all juggling even if we love our job and you know of course love our children and our family life it is intense and there's always something that's my favorite sentence there's always something that's coming around the corner to bite you in the bump something you didn't expect that day um so you know stress resilience is another really good thing that nutrition can give you because if you're well nourished and if your blood sugar levels are balanced you will have much better i call it bounce with my patients you'll just bounce back much faster with more positivity um, whereas if you're already depleted, it's really that straw that breaks the camel's back. You're just being knocked into an anxiety spin because, and it's physiological. It re- I can't express how much, if you're suffering with an anxiety or a depression or just low energy that feels it came on you out of the blue, it doesn't really explain itself. Your life is basically fine. 
it's probably something biochemical going on. Um, and that can influence your hormones, of course. Um, and really don't, don't just leave yourself in it. I'm not against antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications, but there need to be deeper questions answered when that kind of comes upon a person. Uh, nutrition can really pro- provide a huge amount of answers in that in that situation. I have about 200 questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One, 199. Uh, so the things, and I, I would have to go back and listen to it and write down everything you said to get tested for. Um, will a normal GP here in the UK not automatically, if I go and say I have fatigue, they won't test for all of those things? They'll only test for no, some of those things? No. If they're a good GP, they will. The GPs here are, and maybe all over the world, I don't know there's unfair pressure on these GPs. Like they're, they're expected to be specialists almost at everything and just finish yeah. off in 10 minutes. Like it's just not physically possible. <laughs> yes. um, good GPs may use their imagination or might have a natural personal interest in nutrition and they might test for these things. The majority don't. Um, the majority will either put a woman on a medication or will tell her, you know, it's probably stress. And, you know, we have to understand that by the time a woman reaches out to the doctor, she's already feeling really kind of lost and doesn't really know what's going on and often very unconfident. And if she doesn't work in the health industry, she she's going to trust the doctor and she's going to you know say, OK, it must just be stress. Um, I'm begging women not to do that um, because I've seen so strongly over my clinical practice years how important this biochemistry is for the, for the good functioning of women. Um, and so. You need to use some key words with doctors like I feel like I'm crawling through sand type of fatigue or you can say family history of low iron or thyroid. And some people might say, you know, that's not telling the complete truth, but there's no other way you're going to find out sometimes um, if you can't afford it. If you're paying taxes, you know, in other countries, these blood tests are done yearly, just automatically. Something's happening in the UK with blood tests. That's just not you have to almost beg in some practices. but. I mean, for me, it's like, I call them ethical white lies because it's, you know, to protect my patient's health and these blood tests, if a woman is feeling fatigued, these tests should be done under the NICE guidelines in the UK. So if they're not being done, the practice is trying to save money. And in the end, they're going to spend more money prescribing medication than running these tests once a year for a woman. Can I not just eat my way? And and so I've had this conversation with different people. I cannot just eat my way to health. Why do I need supplements? And is there, I mean, there's also such a range in how much you can spend on supplements. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell, say a little bit more about your, your philosophy about, you know, eating your way to health and finding supplements and what matters and yeah. So there are, I definitely, I'm, I'm a whole foods dietitian. I believe that food should really be nourishing us so we have to understand that agriculture these days is things are often being harvested from depleted soils so soils that are themselves malnourished so for example broccoli will not contain as much vitamin c now maybe an organic broccoli will but a conventionally raised broccoli may not um, contain as much vitamin C as it did 100 years ago because the soils themselves are becoming depleted in nutrients and the types of fertilizers that are being used are not, they don't have the, the nuanced type of little mic- micronutrients that would be in there. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that once you've fallen into deficiency with certain nutrients, it is extremely hard to get out just with food. So for example, iron deficiency, which is so prevalent in women, it's I mean, I think it's 
there's not been any research so far that's shown any woman can really climb out of iron deficiency without any supplementation or an infusion, which means women are left in iron deficiency for decades. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say decades. So, and doctors aren't so good at it in the sense that they'll only look at your hemoglobin and not your ferritin. So your ferritin are your iron stores and your hemoglobin is like the active red blood cells going around your body at that time. Women will often show normal under hemoglobin, which is what the doctor looks at, but their ferritin will be on the floor. So let's say a woman shows that she's anemic, so iron deficient, with her hemoglobin being low, the doctor will put her on three months of iron pills, the hemoglobin will be corrected, but the ferritin wouldn't have lifted. So he'll say, you're fine, you can come off. What's going to happen to her three months later? She's going to, the, the ferritin, which the iron stores, won't be able to feed the hemoglobin anymore. She'll get depleted again, but she won't think to go back to the doctor. You know, so... Women who are already iron deficient will often have to be on iron supplements for up to a year to really correct the ferritin. And that doesn't work for everyone. Like I personally have had an iron infusion. I just gave up on the iron supplements and I just had it put straight to my vein um, because, and so many of my clients do because my gut just wasn't absorbing it enough. And iron, iron supplements can cause gastrointestinal side effects. So a lot of women just stop taking them and they just prefer to stay in iron deficiency, but they don't know that cost that that iron deficiency is having on their body year in, year out. Um, and it can really it can affect your heart muscle over time, for example. It's really important. And this is this is a worldwide epidemic in women's health that's just not put as a top priority when it should be, um, because I think most women walking around have suboptimal levels of levels of iron, to be honest. And is that really the most common? Fixed. Yeah. Is that the most common? Probably, probably one of them. Yeah, probably. Probably. What else? So, you know, what my else? daughter, my daughter knows she's going for a blood test as soon as she starts her period. She's not happy about it, but I'm like, sorry, <laughs> I'll get you. I'll get you a present afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else are the most common deficiencies? Vitamin D. Vitamin D. Vitamin D. Vitamin B12. Uh, folate. So things like folate, you can quite quickly build up through diet. So folate's really uh, abundant in green leafy vegetables, for example. <clears throat> so you can eat a, eat a lot of those and pick it up relatively quickly. Um, and vitamin B12 is a tricky one because that really depends on your genes and it depends on the, you know what your gastrointestinal system is up to. Um, but typically, if you want to uh, take a B12 supplement, you'll want to look for a methylated one. Um, so you'll see a methyl in front of the uh, the chemical uh, name of the B12 they're using in the supplement. And that will be absorbed a little bit better. But again, you can always check if you're absorbing it by taking a blood test. You're not doing well with that nutrient. Supplement it. And like you were asking about cost. Yeah, there's so many out there. Get a basic one to start with. Retest three months later. If it hasn't lifted, try a more, you know, a posher one. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, then you've got an issue and it needs it needs investigating. Because, for example, we know... The vitamin B12 deficiency left for too long causes neurological damage and been heavily linked to dementia and Parkinson's neurological disease. And so we really do need to fix it. Um, and I have plenty of patients who are B12 deficient when they don't have a lack of B12 in their diet. So there's an issue of absorption going on there. Does that mean like then supplementing forever? Um, they'll need to inject. Yeah, they, they'll they'll, they can't go through the gut. Yeah, Where do you even get yeah. an injection? Where do you get well, the, G, the GP will do it. The really? GP will do it. If, yeah. you're, if you're confirmed as what's called pernicious anemia, which is more common than we think, um, then the GP will do injections. But these things have to be, I have patients in their 20s being diagnosed with this. And, you know, it's, we, we do need to ask. When I speak to, you know, specialist doctors in B12, they'll often say, well, 
was that really multiple sclerosis or was that patient deficient in B12 for a long time, which led to that or Parkinson's or dementia? This is big stuff now. So, wow. you know, I, I advise women strongly to protect themselves and get ahead. And yes, it is annoying, but we do need to push for our own health. I wish we didn't. Yes, um, it is very hard to get for... an appointment and to get a blood test. I do I do know I tried to get one for my daughter and I really had to like <laughs> beg and scream. And... <laughs> yes, beg and scream sounds right. Blood, sweat and tears. It's like a war zone. You do, but you don't either if you can afford to pay privately, just go and get like the Medichecks, you know, well woman panel done. If you can't afford, then do continue to push, scream and cry and all of the other stuff. And you will eventually get seen. But don't just leave it because you can't be bothered or you're just becoming some another issue with women is, you know, getting conditioned to feeling a particular way. Oh, I'm just tired because I've had a baby. Well, you had that baby 10 years ago, my darling. Like, you know, she's been sleeping through the night for nine years. You shouldn't. Feeling then, like this, Don't but then we're told we're, you're probably perimenopausal now, so that's yeah. probably or what's going too, on. You're too hormonal, you're too, too, too. No, no, you're not. You're not imagining this. And so we come back to the inner power of intuition and knowing you're not right. If you know you're not right, I'm telling you, you're not right. I'm listening to you, you know, and and you must push to get this sorted because you're important. Women are important, yeah. I just recorded a, a solo episode this morning on self-importance and believing oh, in our importance. So there we go. It's we very aligned. So important. <laughs> we are so important. <laughs> you put them next to the podcast next to it. This is why you're important. Women are so important. I mean, because of all the all the balls that we juggle um, for good and for bad, it's, you know, Absolutely. we have to understand that if we're not well, God help everything else around us. Okay, know? so... If I get my blood bloods done, mm-hmm. where do I go? Do we have a specific website that you recommend? Where do I go to to then check it? So you said, like, I can't rely on the information I might get from my GP. No. Do you have a specific place you look up? Can we link to something in the show notes that, that women could go actually. on? That's a really good question. I should really develop that. I don't. Um, the first advice I'd give is what I said before. If you're in the bottom third of the normal range, put your alarm bells on. Do something about it. You want to be above halfway ideally okay but how do we know Secondly, what, I, what it is so we get the numbers from the doctors well oh, it's numbers to... yes there's a range next to your result which is really helpful okay so you know you can look at the range and be like let's say for ferritin the normal range can be 10 to 280 so listen to this 10 to 280 <laughs> women who are at 11 the doctor says you're fine and i'm like they're not fine they're having palpitations they're anxious, they can't get out of bed in the morning, they're having 10 cups of of coffee a day, which are destroying their periods for them, because that's another subject, caffeine and hormones. But, you know, you need to be above 75 for ferritin to be really, you know, flush with iron. Um, And so doctors will send women away, like on the cusp, but they'll, they'll refer them to cardiologists and things. And I'm like, they just need iron. Don't, you don't need to go for the, you know, the overkill first, give them iron. And so it's, uh, so we have it to be informed right. and then fight have to fight for it, but we have to be informed. Okay, so you got to create that online course and that website. I where do, we can look I do. Up. And also for teams, also for teams, I have a colleague and dear friend who's a women's health physio and we dream and fantasize about doing a course where we go into you know, secondary schools and we educate girls, not just on their periods, but also how to, what do they need to do to take care of their health? And this is part of it. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry I don't have that course yet, everybody. <laughs> Yes. Okay. We've got to talk perimenopause also just for a moment, just because um, 
Now we have different ages of women listening to the podcast, but for some, it starts from what I've heard already in the thirties, some in the forties, often we don't know it until apparently we feel really, really shit. It could be 15 years. (laughs) There is that bit of like, you know, am I, I'm supposed to honor my body. So on one hand, I have this like, great, we need to be in sync with our cycles. We need to honor ourselves. Now I can't remember anything. (laughs) Now, Now I just feel... I mean, hot flushes is like, apparently, yeah, it's the most obvious one, but like now I just feel, I feel more angry. I feel more there. Now I just need yeah. to honor myself and, and women exit jobs because now they're finally done, done raising children if they did that. But whether you raise children or not, you met perimenopause and menopause is again, it's coming. you get it. Yeah. No matter what, what are we supposed, like, how do we both honor ourselves? Because definitely I'm a fan of that. Um, And I know you are not an absolute, you're not like against anything, but what are we doing? How do we even know? Because like I said, I know many women that go like, oh, I've had my hormones checked and I've been told I'm I'm, I'm fine. What does fine mean? And what can we do? And like, we don't want to wait until it's really shitty. No, no, you don't. And that's, again, we go back to the core of this, which is listen to yourself. If you know something's getting a bit wobbly, you know, wonky, listen in, track it, get three months of data and then action, right? That's the first thing. Um, what kind of data when three months of oh, data so what let's say data? if you notice you're sweating at night if you notice you're getting more irritable I get women who come to me and say if you don't help me with my hormones I'm going to murder someone <laughs> I feel that much rage every month and it's heartbreaking you know this is what I'm talking about you know women optimizing themselves because you can be the moodiest most irritable person for two weeks out of every month let's say when your hormones are out of whack and so you feel like you're being a horrible mother a horrible wife a horrible friend and we fix the hormones and you become wonderful you again so how much of that is actually honoring and how much of that is actually just biochemical imbalance like and it's it's such a good question you know so perimenopause anything that might be related to hormones so i mean the list is endless with perimenopausal symptoms um I'm always interested in it because I'm like, well, hang on a second. This time of life is also when women are, you know, in that, what I call that really intense sandwich. So if they've had kids, the kids are, you know, still young enough to need a lot of mothering. If they have elderly parents, they might need to be busy with that. Their career is reaching a peak. The housework is intense. So it's just like, how much is this actually about? I have so much in my brain. I don't actually have a hormonal brain fog. I'm actually just overwhelmed. And then I need to do some work with that. But there is a brain fog thing that obviously happens with hormones. And I just want to reassure women out there that, you know, I'm I'm a supporter of HRT where it needs to happen. But there's so much you can do first. There's so much you can do first to help your body just stabilize a little bit around these kind of bumpy hormonal periods. So caffeine very badly tolerated by women in general and their hormones it's much better to be caffeine free i have said that once i finish the menopause i'm going to drink all the coffee in the world because i haven't been able to drink coffee for years and and be a stable person around my periods um and i want to be a stable person because i don't want to lose a week every month to feeling not like myself um alcohol very badly tolerated as well by women's hormones so being careful with that and in general women want to really look into you know the glycemic index and really eating a low glycemic carbohydrate diet so as again there's nothing wrong with carbohydrates you want to be intelligent about which carbohydrates you put in your body avoiding a glucose spike there's a great lady on instagram glucose goddess so she says a lot of really cool stuff on there about you know eat your protein first then eat your carbohydrates it makes all the difference I know um, I turned 40 when COVID struck and uh, <laughs> it was very funny. So me and all my school friends, obviously, you know, like we have a WhatsApp group 
And um, all these WhatsApp came through when I was about 41, 41 and a half with all my friends saying, what the hell happened to my waist? What is this? <laughs> what is this like belly roll that has like appeared from, you know, the moment I turned 40? And so it is very much a thing. Your hormones do shift. But I think it's quite an exciting time, actually, for a woman, because, yes, there's lots of pressure. Yes, we might not kind of get the cycling that we got before in the same way, but it's an opportunity to really sharpen up what am I going to keep in my life and what am I going to get out of my life in terms of what don't I have time for anymore? What am I wasting my time on? Where am I just going through the motions of what I did in my 20s and 30s without actually thinking about what is it that I want? You know, so it's a nice time to tidy things up. If you're drinking too much coffee, tidy that up. If you're drinking too much alcohol, tidy that up. If you keep reaching for like a big sandwich at lunchtime, well, maybe instead of what I call an everything salad, which is just put lots of vegetables in the bowl and put a high quality carbohydrate in the salad, high quality protein in the salad. Um, but carbohydrate isn't the biggest part of that meal. It's, you know, a quarter to a third of that meal. Um, you know, you can shake things up. It's a real opportunity to look inwards and say, how can I, how can I polish myself? Because I think, especially if we have had children, um, we're often just going through the motions in our 30s, just trying to stay awake um, and, you know, keep keep ourselves somewhat together and maybe have a shower now and again. Um, you know, so it, it's just it's it's a it's a time to really sharpen things. So I invite women to really think about the perimenopause as, a, as an opportunity. And you can really see a difference as well when you build enough lean muscle mass. So you really want to maybe if you don't have any disordered eating going on, get a body composition scale and make sure your body fat percentage isn't going up higher and higher and higher and your muscle mass going down lower and lower and lower. You want to actually change that over. So you want to continue to build more and more muscle mass and hold your body fat in a healthy place. That will make all the difference for hormonal function as well. Um, but it actually takes work where it didn't take as much work in the 20s and 30s. It takes active, mindful work, taking time out of your schedule to make sure that you're you're controlling that physiology. The decisions you make in your 40s will hugely impact your 60s and 70s in terms of how your health works. And so, again, I, I think perimenopause is a moment to... I like the word, I like the fact that there's the word pause in there. Pause for a second. Just wait. Think about it. Don't just go through the motions. What is it that you want to change? And also really important to understand that change takes time. It's a process. Start with baby steps. Change your breakfast first. Hold that for a week or two. And your lunch. And then, you know, then maybe go for an extra walk. But you don't have to suffer like this. You know, perimenopause can be bumpy, but it doesn't have to be as bumpy. It's like putting your seatbelt on in a bumpy bus ride. You really can do a lot with nutrition and lifestyle to help yourself. Okay, we need a, a whole week of recordings here. <laughs> I know I was relieved years ago when we met up and you were feeding your kid a Nutella sandwich and I was both outraged oh. and relieved all at the same time. I'm like, the nutritionist is giving her kid a Nutella sandwich. And I was like, oh my God, oh yes. Um, so I know you're not an absolutist. I know you're Absolutely. flexible. I know your kids will be allowed to eat. I you know, I, yeah. I, I know all the things and, and, and you're not a one solution fits all no but way, no way. I also know you're into shortcuts so if I was yes. going to switch and and again I, I guess and I would say the same anyone listening if whatever we say next and I don't know what we're going to say next doesn't fit for you trust yourself modify it yes, like absolutely. so because I'm absolutely. asking Dahlia putting you on the spot to give us some quick fixes and they might not fit for everyone but <laughs> what what should I what what would be a good thing for me if I'm in my 40s and I am to eat for breakfast what would be a great thing for me to eat for breakfast? Oh. 
there's so many um, smoothies excellent smoothies are really good but the thing with smoothies people need to be careful you don't just want fruit in there um, or just vegetables in there because then that's a drink and not a meal so too much fruit is going to give you a sugar spike so you want a smoothie that is largely um you know maybe a little bit of fruit to give it a little bit of sweetness so some blueberries half a banana something like that then you need good quality carbohydrates because this is a meal people this is not a drink and we're not on a diet here because if we're on a diet that means oh i can get a breakfast for 100 calories your body's not stupid if you give yourself a 100 calorie breakfast you're going to be really peckish and eat all the biscuits later on in the day so your smoothie needs to be a meal so i put like three tablespoons of jumbo oats in there and then some protein, you must get some protein powder in there because that really is what sustains you. So you want to aim for a breakfast that's at least 20 grams of protein. So you can see on the side of protein packets, you know, how much protein you'll get per scoop. I like organic hemp protein powder. It's a very good one. Flax seeds, chia seeds for your hormones and then a plant-based milk. Or you could do a nut-rich muesli with a Greek yogurt that's really rich in protein and, you know, healthy fats and good quality carbohydrates. Massive fan of eggs. Um, that's not a shortcut, though. That's more slow breakfast. Um, but scrambled eggs with veggies on like a sourdough toast is an excellent breakfast too. change it up. But you want to be thinking about where is my protein? Where is my fiber? Where are my good quality carbohydrates? And you said chia seeds are good for hormones. They're excellent. Chia seeds and brown flax seeds are really good for hormones. And so, mm. I mean, fiber in general is excellent for hormones because it sweeps more uh, pro-inflammatory hormones out of the intestine into the poo so women who are constipated will often suffer more than women who are not um, in terms of hormonal symptoms obviously you don't want to be the other end of the scale having terrible loose poo all the time you really, yeah. really want to be doing those nice logs um daily <laughs> um so um fiber extremely important also for metabolic regulation and so a lot of women who are you know come to me with perimenopausal symptoms their fibers on the floor you want to be getting at least 30 grams a day um, and that's you know beans lentils whole grains fruits vegetables and so on um fiber is crucial for keeping you full as well so you're going to be a lot hungrier after a low fiber meal than a high fiber meal so you know fiber's magic it really is what's your go-to meal when you have to eat something and the kids have to eat something and you're tired oh. and you're busy and also they all like something different but you want to feed them a oh. nutritious meal like do you have oh. something to inspire yeah. us i'm growing i'm groaning here because i just want to tell everybody it's okay to hate cooking after you've had kids because <laughs> we all do nobody talks about it but we all do we all used to love cooking and now we're like oh um my well if i'm if i'm my neighbor was laughing at me the other day because you know she was she taking my little son to the park he's six and um she just brought him home and i opened the door munching on my dinner because i had a clinic impending and i was gonna drop my kids at the dad it was one of those crazy days and she's like ha you're eating a student dinner what was i eating i was eating uh pasta uh with lots of broccoli and i'd opened a tin of mackerel and tomato sauce and chucked it on the pasta that's what i was eating very good meal. I said, yeah, student meal. Who cares? It's nutritious. It's hitting all the spots. And so I really beg my patients to keep things in the freezer and keep things in the cupboard. So, you know, plan A is like, you know, oh, idealistic. I grow my own vegetables. I also cook all my own meats from scratch. Wonderful. I don't personally do that. Um, I try to cook whenever I can. My lunch every day comes from a company called All Plants. Um, they're vegan food delivery. They sit in my freezer. So it means I don't have to cook. I'm all for those kind of box schemes and, you know, things like Mindful Chef, I think is brilliant. Um, and then plan A's are when you cook from scratch, which is great and wonderful. But plan B's are things like using supermarket soups or, you know, 
chicken or salmon already poached you know that you can just chuck in with some you know a pouch of whole grains that you buy from the supermarket you can heat up frozen mixed vegetables we know that frozen vegetables are often a lot more nutritious than fresh because they've been flash frozen at harvest so nutrients are intact it also reduces food waste how many times have we thrown broccoli in the bin that we didn't you know we didn't get round to cooking and you're like oh i hate myself but i forgive myself because you know life is so hard but it doesn't it's, taste so it, good. Why does it, why does it, how do you make the frozen broccoli taste good? Steam it. Well, steam it and take it out just on time, but it doesn't taste as good. It's true. No. But that's the other thing that we need to understand with nutrition. We interact with nutrition multiple times a day. It's not always going to be, you know, unicorns and butterflies. You're going to eat things that taste fine, but not amazing sometimes. And that's just what, that's just life, isn't it? Um, so a lot of people in nutrition, they're aiming for perfection. And then when they don't get, this really brings out perfectionistic people as well. It's a brilliant, when you, nutrition, you work all with character, character, character of people. But, you know, people are like, well, you know, it didn't taste amazing or it was I know, too much, too rich in sugar. Therefore, I said, F it. And the whole week went to pot. And I'm like, no, like, come back next meal. Like, don't worry about it. It's just one meal. Right. And so, yeah, you know, we're not going to get the path. Like, I can't say I enjoyed my pasta, broccoli and mackerel as much as I would have done like a really delicious like chickpea curry with rice and lots of vegetables. But it hit the spot. I was fed and I moved on. My, my hormones were balanced. My blood sugar was balanced. I felt good. I had the energy to go to the gym the next day, you know, so I won all round, you know, it's OK. So also got to have good expectations. But and plan B is already having things in the cupboard ready to go. Things like canned fish or you know I had a friend <laughs> she came around but she only had one child I already had three and she was shocked to see cans of chickpeas and things in my cupboard she's like Dahlia I would have thought that you soaked your own and I was like oh yeah that stopped after I had my first baby she's got more children I'm like haha you're doing the same um, <laughs> you know <laughs> you know it's uh, so important we keep it honest None of us that work in full-time jobs have the time to cook everything from scratch. So good morning, everybody. Use the supermarkets, get help wherever you can. It's okay. You can still eat a really balanced diet and have excellent blood test results if you just know the tricks. So yeah, keep always keep plan Bs in your cupboard for when the poo hits the fan. You know, pouches of whole grains, pouches of lentils, things that you can just throw together. Frozen mixed vegetables, they're not as tasty as the fresh, but you will thank yourself. You will thank yourself for having it there. When you're eating a nutritious plate, you'll be like, oh, you know what? That dietitian I heard on that podcast was right. At least I got some greens in today. I wouldn't have done that if I wouldn't have had it in the freezer. There are some more economical. So for people who are hard up financially at the moment, um, you can get so much spinach in a frozen spinach bag. Yes. And, you know, compared to peas are cheap. Peas are good, right? And peas are, number one, peas go with everything. Any you know, Indian food, Greek food, doesn't matter. Throw peas in. It's fantastic. Um, peas are so rich in protein, vitamin C, fiber. Peas are amazing. Cheap. Love peas. And cheap. You know, beetroot, cheap. So cheap. So special. So nutritious. So good for you. All these whole foods. It's really hard. It's hard to go wrong. If it's whole and it looks like the way it did when it came off the plant, you're already winning. You know? Yeah. And so a lot of people have come out of diet industry or Instagram, and they think they're failing because they're not eating as beautiful, I don't know, a smoothie bowl or whatever is the latest fad going around social media. I really want people to calm down. Like if there's, if your plate is third vegetables, third carbs, third protein, and those carbs are like whole grain most of the time, you're really winning and you're cooking in olive oil, you're still winning. Things are good. 
So whole grain is like, so is it brown brown rice instead of white brown rice, rice, brown pasta instead of white? Exactly. Like really just go for barley, brown. Yeah. Barley, oats, you know, um, bulgur wheat. Got it. There's so many good things out there. Okay. Uh, would you have to just very, very briefly, and maybe this is not fair, very briefly, sugar. So I was discussing this with a patient the other day. She said to me that before she came to me, she saw a nutritionist who banned all sugar from her diet. So I was saying to her, because this woman is really, really rushed and she's divorced and has a number of kids and really stressed. So I was saying to her, you know, you can buy chicken breast in the supermarket, not the processed meat. I, I recommend everyone avoids processed meat, but just chicken breast chunks. And if you look at the ingredients, it says chicken, salt, and maybe a little bit of sugar. And she's like, oh, but I can't buy that because it's got sugar in it. I'm like, the sugar in there is minuscule. And if you don't eat, you know, the chicken with your lunch, you're going to have no protein, which is going to send your blood sugar levels plummeting, making you crave sweet things. And then you're going to cry that you ate all the biscuits again. And the only reason you're eating those biscuits is because your blood sugar levels are dysregulated by not eating enough protein. So people need to stop thinking about the word sugar and start thinking about blood sugar regulation. So the fuel in your body, because that sugar comes mainly from carbohydrates and people need to stop thinking of carbohydrates as bad. So all of those put together means if you learn about the glycemic index and you learn about how to regulate your blood sugar, it doesn't matter. Your body can't tell the difference between a bit of sugar added in a tomato sauce for a pasta dish or, you know, sugar that's coming from, you know, pasta that's been broken down. What you want to do is avoid sugar spikes. So how do we avoid sugar spikes? In great summary, it's a lot more complex than this. Avoid eating carbohydrates on an empty stomach. So avoid having, let's say, breakfast cereal for breakfast. Try and have something that has fat and protein and fiber in it. If you've got a plate of, you know, like I had the I had the mackerel and the pasta and the broccoli, eat the mackerel and the broccoli first, then eat the pasta. If you line the stomach with protein and fiber and healthy fat and then eat carbohydrates, you're going to get a completely different release of sugar into the blood than you will if you eat the pasta first or even worse, pasta on its own. So, you know, there's a lot, you know, we could do a whole episode on blood sugar regulation, which is a lot of the work I do with patients, but it's really critical um, when we think about weight management, energy regulation, hormonal regulation, inflammation. So whether you're suffering from any kind of inflammatory disease um, and anxiety and depression, blood sugar regulation is huge. And so if someone's listening and vegetarian or vegan, what do they start by eating a can of chickpeas before they eat their pasta? Yes, exactly. Or a nice block of tofu, so around 140 grams of tofu. Um, you've got to have the whole can of chickpeas. What a lot of vegans are doing is that they're using a can and splitting it between four people. They're getting very little protein. A whole can of chickpeas only contains around 16 grams of, carbo- of, of protein. And so you need even more than that. So I ask vegans to like, you know, have brown rice, which has a bit more protein in it, sprinkle some cashew nuts, pumpkin seeds and things like that. Um, on their on their dish um you've got to be really really intelligent um, and diligent to get a vegan diet going properly for life um because plant protein doesn't absorb as well as animal protein okay where do we find you when we want more ah. oh well my website um is uh, dalianutrition.com so it's d-a-l-i-a and then nutrition.com and there's a contact form on there um, people can book an appointment or my appointments are via zoom um, so I work with people all over the world because I do run evening clinics daytime clinics and so on right. um, but yeah I mean I feel like there's there's so much to talk about with nutrition which is what makes my job the best job in the world sorry no me mine is better than yours, <laughs> yours is amazing. 
I'm very happy that you think that. <laughs> and if if people want to read something, because I don't think you have mm. um you haven't produced that much out there. So you you mentioned in the Instagram lady, which we need to link to. She oh, was glucose called. goddess. She's she's great. I really like her. I like a lot of what she does. That is. And that said, you know, please be careful. Nutritionists in general are, are not regulated. So it's registered dietitians that are regulated. So we are the clinically trained ones. I have a lot of people come from nutritionists to me with eating disorders they've received from the nutritionist unintentionally, but you know, because because of the lack of clinical training, there are good nutritionists out there, but I'd advise people first to go with a registered dietitian who is holistic in their approach. So they really look at um, everything. Um, Harvard School of Public Health has some very nice articles on nutrition and they're unbiased. Um, you've just got to be careful because a lot of nutrition studies out there are sponsored by companies who want that message to come across. It's a really messy field. And this is why people are very validly confused. And then you've got Weight Watchers and Slimming World. It's it's a it's a soup of complications. But one of the reasons I love it is because it's such a human space. It's such a space of where we, we've got to make friends with our imperfections and pick ourselves up again. You know, the Japanese say fall down seven times, get up eight. That is nutrition. Um, and it really helps to actually work on our characters and our relationships and how we how we approach life in general, how we approach food. Um, most of my patients who suffer, for example, with uh, severe overweight are absolute perfectionists. And they got there through this, you know, they failed one meal and then a whole month went to pot because they couldn't you know, make friends with the fact that they did something slightly less than perfectly. So it's it's a beautiful space to grow. OK, I, I feel like we need episode two, three, four, five, and number 10. Uh, we do have to round up for today, though. Yeah. What are the, the three fine? I mean, you could give us like tips uh, for the next three hours. If you were to give us three tips, anyone listening, what are the three things you really want us to take away? About nutrition or about like women? You get to health? choose. You get to choose. Well, you know what? I think they probably both interrelate. Um, the first one I would say is just make a start. Just start somewhere. Stop waiting for the perfect day to arrive or the perfect moment because that is never going to happen. Just start. So if it's about nutrition, start with breakfast. If it's about, you know, trying to build as a person towards being a better version of yourself or growing, just start somewhere with something. The second piece of advice I would say is, you know, if you think you've messed up, if you think you've made a mistake, instead of thinking about it in terms of, oh God, a, a moment to shame yourself, take a look from a compassionate curiosity place and ask yourself, what can I learn from this? What information can I gather about my needs or you know, my feelings? For example, people will comfort eat a lot. What am I feeling? What can I what can I develop from this place? It's it's information, and that's really helpful. And we know that shaming is the worst thing you can possibly do. Shaming will never induce change. So you know, put it away. Um, and I think my final piece of advice would definitely be exercise your boundaries. Please listen to your gut feelings. You know, they really are telling you the truth. Um, don't fight them. Don't detour around them. Even if it makes you uncomfortable in that moment, in the long run, you will pay so much less if you actually listen to them beautiful there's so much here and even just like i would have been like oh, i'm gonna go to a nutritionist because they know about nutrition i don't want to diet so i'm not going to go to a dietitian no, no diets diets I don't mean, work diets diet. don't work don't do it it's better to continue as you are whoever you are don't diet so fascinating and i'm also fascinated by the the muscle advice you had about how important muscle is for hormone regulation i knew i mean i can feel the muscle mass disappearing 
but and I knew it would help me with lots of things but I actually didn't know how much it would help with hormone it helps with everything and mental health as well it helps so much um women build your muscles and you know the way best don't I get really annoyed um my boyfriend knows this If, if people just weigh themselves and they're like well I weigh this I'm like you don't know what you're weighing though it's just a number on a scale it's not telling you how much of that is fat how much of that is muscle so people will get really upset if they say they've lost they, or they've gained weight but I'm like you might have gained muscle you don't know what you've gained that like, you can't even you're getting upset about something you know up in the cloud to so get body composition scales again a scientist will say they're not 100 accurate they're accurate enough this is again good enough is good enough they're accurate enough to give you information on where you're going and the biggest risk we run as we age you know people will talk about osteoporosis they don't talk about sarcopenia the biggest risk is actually sarcopenia which is loss of muscle mass because if you lose your muscle mass bone mass degrades rapidly the best way to maintain bone mass is to maintain muscle mass and so yeah there's no way there's no pill you can take there's nothing you can buy you have to do the movement and you have to do the correct movement so um yeah do you follow anyone for muscle mass training do we do you have no I I pay a trainer you know just like my pay my patients pay me I think it's so beneficial to and I don't go to any part I go to the local council gym and I have a lovely trainer he's 22 years old he does a great job you know and I pay someone to tell me what to do because I tell people what to do all day long. I don't want to, I don't want to tell myself what to do in the gym, but (laughs) I do think accountability really helps. So even if you can't afford a trainer, I think going to classes, getting a push that little bit more because sometimes we're, I mean, I'm a bit too soft on myself. I'm like, Oh, poor Dahlia. You didn't sleep very well last night. Don't, no, don't do another set of weights. Whereas he's like another set. Um, But he doesn't push me too far. He's got a really, he really, he, he, he gets me very well. So um, I ask people to go to a place where they're accountable, whether it's going out with a friend or whether it's, you know, just somebody, because we're not supposed to be on our own. We're pack animals. We're supposed to do things with others. Um, I believe in solitary time as well. But, you know, I think it's so helpful when you have that feedback from another person who's watching you from the outside. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I say. Even a bad coach will, will be a, an accountability check rounded. <laughs> so I mean, hopefully you'll get a great actually. coach and get something. But even even just that, you know, you had a session with your coach, you probably will think a little bit about something. how it's you, true. Yeah, it's true. Right? It's so true. even a it's bad true. personal trainer will be a little bit of accountability. So, I mean, great it's to have a, a wonderful one, but there's something about accountability. Hopefully, that's hopefully not a back injury, though. If, <laughs> if anything hurts, just stop. Don't continue. Yeah, true. That's true. You could too. you could do damage. Yes. No, that's a hassle. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this conversation. So fun. Thank you, Nomi. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe so that you get notified every time there's a new episode. And I would so love it if you would write a quick review as that really helps others to find and trust the podcast. You can do that at lovethepodcast.com forward slash FIP. Remember, no matter what's going on around you, it only takes a single breath to start grounding back into your power. So, let's take a breath. Feel your power. And go spread the magic. <laughs>